0: You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. Joe Tensley is too young to call a legendary winemaker, but after 20 years of making some of the best wines coming out of Santa Barbara, it's a name he might just have to get used to. I caught up with Joey in New York after being interviewed by Wine Spectator for their fall issue. I'm excited to be sitting here with uh, Joe Tensley. Uh, He is an incredible winemaker in Santa Barbara. His Syrah has made the top 100 best wines in the world by Wine Spectator. Robert Parker scored it 99 points. And Food & Wine magazine has called... Joey Syrah, one of the best wines in America. So that's not me talking shit. That's Parker, Spectator, all the big boys. I'm just happy to have uh, Joey here today. Thanks for coming, man.
1: Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's nice to be in New York for a couple days.
0: Right. Uh, so uh, you were just in New York to uh, taste some your wines with Wine Spectator again, right?
1: Uh, yeah, we were tasting yesterday. We went through... Uh, f- five or six vintages of Colson Canyon, like back to Oh four, like the six, seven, nine, 17, 18, I think it was tasted all those wines.
0: So doing a historical perspective, basically on that um, vineyard. But before we get there, let's, uh, we're going to get to Colson Canyon. Um, but what was the first sensory experience you had in the wine business that you thought, man, I could, I, I, something about this. I just like,
1: um, it's a, <clears throat> it's a funny question. I've, when I was really young, I went and played soccer in France and then we stayed in Bordeaux and actually went to some wineries and that's when I remember like just being overwhelmed by the tradition. But then in my high school years I actually worked at a like a higher end deli um in my hometown and had some wines and that's kind of I always kind of saw those as being mm-hmm. interesting. You know, right. I don't know what it was. Um, but there was something that just interested me. So even back in high school I'd tell my girlfriend, like, oh, I'm gonna be a winemaker someday. I don't have any idea why
0: <laughs> which is crazy cuz you grew up in Bakersfield. Yeah,
1: first yeah. generation, my family was not in the alcohol even right. the agriculture business right.
0: for that. Uh, and so uh, you were probably the only kid <laughs> talking about like I want to be a winemaker. People yeah. are like what the hell's wrong with that Tensley kid?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then once I got into uh, you know, my college years, I as soon as I turned 21, I dropped out of school and was working at a at a shop similar to what I was working to in Bakersfield. I dropped it stopped doing that' got a job uh, working in a tasting room, mm-hmm. you know
0: and then your first kind of hands on experience making wine was with uh,
1: that's in ninety three mm-hmm. with uh, Fest Parker winery, they uh, hired me on there, so my first tasting room job was at Zacca Mesa, mm-hmm. uh, and then I worked at Fest Parker uh kind of simultaneously then stopped working, that was my only real tasting room
0: job ever. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of legendary Santa Barbara uh, producers, but they do Pinot and Syrah. Um, Zaka Mesa does Pinot and Syrah. But before we like, even go further, um, you know, everybody and their brother knows Napa and Sonoma. Uh, describe like, what makes Santa Barbara such a unique area to grow wine in, like the geography of it.
1: You know, Santa Barbara actually only has, has the only mountain range in North America to run east-west. and if you actually look on a map santa barbara proper actually faces directly south Mm -hmm. most people don't know that they think it's at the beach it's going to be in the west but at point conception which is right in the lompoc area um, is where the east west mountains turn and then so what happens is we basically funnel in a lot of weather from the ocean Mm -hmm. Um, and there's the little mountain range between santa barbara and us keeps santa barbara and us different on that end of the valley, the eastern part of the valley, but on the western part of the valley, you really get a lot of influence from Lompoc uh, because there's no mountain range because when they shifted to go east-west, we receive all that cool air. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's what makes the growing conditions kind of ideal, cooler climates for Pinot and Syrah uh, a- as well. Yeah,
1: so um, to generalize, I don't think it's exactly true, but mm-hmm. every mile you come east from the ocean, it says it's a degree warmer. I don't think that's It's probably closer to every, you know, two miles or so I don't know mm-hmm. really but it's typical uh, in the eastern part of the valley because we get a lot of influence in the fog and the, the uh, ocean to be in the, in the mornings in the 50s but then in harvest time it'll be in the high 80s 90s right so we get these huge swings. Right. Whereas Lompoc is so close to the ocean, they don't really change at all, or not much. They stay between 50 and 75 all year mm. round, pretty much.
0: So uh, we've had winemakers on before, but we've actually never talked about this temperature switch, this diurnal, diurnal temperature uh, change. What is the benefit of that?
1: Uh, well, two things. One is uh, the cool air shuts the vines down at night, so they retain acidity. You know, So that's, that's, that's one thing that makes us different than most places and then you need the heat in the summertime to get the grapes ripe. Mm-hmm. you know. So we have is the, the really the best of both worlds. Because if you step back and look, like over in the Central Valley, it's just hot yeah, all the time. it's a good desert. So yeah. they have hard times retaining acid in their wine. Mm-hmm. We don't have that issue as much because we're so close to the ocean. So, again, typical, you know, my vineyard in Colson Canyon would be typical in the morning to be in the high 50s, and then in the afternoon we'll get some winds come in, and it would be 90 degrees. So we get all of that sun, heat, and then the plants shut down at night, freshen back up, stop maturing, and then cycle out the next day. Right.
0: So, yeah, I mean, the, the freshness you're talking about really translates to the acidity in the wine that gives it its freshness, makes you salivate, makes you want more of it. So, 1993, you start working with Fest Parker and Zaka Mesa. And so, where does the, do you, by happenstance, fall into Syrah because Joey pretty much exclusively makes Syrah and makes some white. Um, Syrah is a grape that is so kind of underappreciated, I would say, Uh Uh, forever I've been doing this you've been doing this forever Joe and I met 20 plus years ago and uh, Syrah to me is always one of the great oh it's going to be a good Syrah year like people are going to start drinking a lot more Syrah and they should drink Syrah because Syrah has by nature more intensity more fruit lower tannins and just naturally drinkable so when people want to spend $150 on a bottle of Napa Cab they could spend $50 on a Santa Barbara Syrah and have twice the pleasure at a third of the price is that a pretty good assessment
1: yeah, I think Syrah had a hard time kind of getting off the ground over the last 20 years. But if people get to taste Syrah, they realize, wow, this is a great bang for your
0: buck most of the time. You know? uh, I'll, I'll tell you a, f- a funny story. Six months ago, Joey was here in uh, New York, and uh, we had a tasting we did out at Wine Library. And there was a blizzard. And I called Wine Library, and Joey was like, well, I guess we're not going to make it out. And they're like, no, really, nobody canceled. And Joey and I went out in the snowstorm and there were probably 55 people there to meet uh, Joey because he does have uh, more than a decade of incredible scores, but these wines are that good. And I was looking around a snowstorm, and people came out in droves and bought cases of your wine, and you just did a basic Q&A and discussing what we're discussing. Well, How cool is Santa Barbara? And let's not forget, these are world-class wines. But Syrah is still one of those grapes that's a little bit under the radar and I think still underappreciated by most people.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, so to answer your question, so back when I worked at uh, Zaca Mesa, the wine that really was like my, my epiphany, like what Syrah was going to be to me in my future, was a wine that was 1990. I think it was like 70 or 80 percent Syrah with tin or whatever the rest of it was Melbeck. Mm. and uh, my light went off. You know, I was like, oh wow, this is. Right. And at that time, there were only you know a handful of Syrah vineyards in. The area, you know, you had the, you know, Coupe, and those guys were making the wines, and Babcock had some. Parker was planting it, Zach and Mesa had it. So when I got in the business back at that time, Syrah was just kind of coming into, sure. you know, its popularity, I guess is the word. So when I started my brand in 98, I always make the joke like it was hard to find seven wineries making Syrah in our area. Now it's hard to find seven that don't. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, so pretty much most wineries in Santa Barbara County and not most but quite a few make some Syrah at some point there's just not a lot of people making thousands of cases and getting in the national market
0: right yeah. uh, you and I had dinner last night and you were saying that uh, there's no doubt that if one of the big guys like Gallo Kendall Jackson or something like that started bottling Syrah instead of Cab that everyone would know Syrah and what a great pleasure it is to drink Syrah the, the varietal um, but yours is a, you have a very unique Syrah, uh, hence all the accolades that I, I mentioned uh, previously. Um, but I think it's funny that there's a bottle of wine that you had that changed your life. And I've had this conversation with a bunch of people that anyone who loves wine, there's one bottle that turned them into like, you know, wine geeks, affectionately, wine geeks. And in your case, though, you're like, I'm going to start making Syrah.
1: Yeah. And then my next one was the 1990 uh La Chapelle. Right. You know, that was a 100 pointer by everybody before Syrah was expensive. You could buy it for thirty or forty dollars back right. in those days. And again, insane wine. And actually I was in uh Hawaii last year, two years ago with my wife and my son, and we were at a restaurant and I saw it on the list. And I was like, Holy shit, they got that wine, you know? Right. And my son's like, Are you gonna buy it? And I'm like, Oh, it's a thousand dollars and he's like, So you gonna buy it? I'm like, No, I'm like, honestly. I, I have such high respect for that wine that I'm sure I'm not going to like it like I used to. So
0: yeah. <laughs> I don't want to blow it for myself. <laughs> and it's a grand, <laughs> you know. Yeah, right. so yeah. I didn't buy it. <laughs> uh, so, so now you become obsessive about Syrah, and you start your business in 1998. This is where I kind of enter the story. I was in uh, Santa Barbara doing research and tasting wines at, uh, waiting to see Beckman, and uh, I start talking to Joey and realize he has encyclopedic knowledge of uh, the Northern Rhone and uh, Syrah. And you were talking about a clonal selection.
1: Well, I happened to yeah. be in the tasting. I was an assistant winemaker at the time for Beckman. Okay, right. And you guys came in and we're just kind of shooting the shit a little bit while mm-hmm. you're waiting for Steve is yeah. how it kind of evolved right
0: you know? and you, you, Joey just totally blew me away with his knowledge and said do you have some wine that you make and he goes yeah I have a few barrels and uh, I tasted it and was floored so here's, here's why traditionally a lot of Syrah particularly large production or stuff that's not very good usually has a ton of oak on it uh, kind of sweet and doesn't taste like Syrah from the northern Rhone like Joey was just talking about La Chapelle, the um, the, the saltiness, the olive tapenade, uh, those flavors that I love in French Syrah. All of a sudden, I tasted in Joe's wine, and I was like, "Oh man!" And uh, we had a conversation. I said, "What are you going to do with this wine?" And you're like, "Yeah, I mean, I'm going to try to sell it. You have a label." had a label the label is unbelievable it's white with a, it looks like it's a vine but it looks like a, a, a cross it's a stretched out vine what's the imagery exactly it's a,
1: um i i'm just not i'm pretty simple-minded it's yeah. an old vine it looks we used also because we used lowercase t for tinsley so right. it kind of looks uh, right, very similar. similar yeah um so yeah at that point um i bought all the 100 cases in 98 and mm-hmm. You and T. Edward took 25 of them. Right. And I've been with T. Edward and the family for 21 years now. Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: And I have to tell you, we brought those wines in, and nobody knew uh, who Joe Tensley was, and nobody knew what the wines were. And we crushed it right out of the gate and put it in Gramercy Tavern. And every restaurant we walked into, Gotham, the top restaurants at the time, all picked up that wine. And it's a testament to that was 1998 and now you're coming up on your 20
1: well 98 was the first vintage right. so 17 was our 20th right wow and now he yes 18s that we're putting a bottle soon and that's the 21st vintage yeah. so we're, and 19 is we're gonna pick in the next two months right so
0: 22 years really and, and it's crazy how great uh, the, the wines are and the price of them was still incredibly reasonable that's the other thing joey barely raised his prices in 20 years realistically
1: yeah when you guys were buying the, the first vintage suggested retail was 32 fast forward 22 years later, 20 years later, it's only 42 mm, yeah, for, that's, for Colson Canyon. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's talk about you start your business in 1998. You are sourcing uh, some, you have contracts, you're buying fruit from people. Uh, you had a bunch of single vineyards, but this Colson Canyon thing keeps coming up. So let's explain this. So why is Colson Canyon such a special vineyard site? What makes it great?
1: Um, so let, let's, let's just, Go back to so, so when I started the brand, I was buying Thompson Vineyard in mm-hmm. Lesos Canyon. I only got at Lesos for one year, but Thompson I'd been seeing every year working with other wineries. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bedford Thompson, you know, they had it, and I, when I went to Babcock, they were getting it, Fest Parker was getting it everything, and Beckman, and that's how I got my first grapes was just knowing them, mm-hmm. you know. So I got my first half a ton of grapes because of those guys, and I've kept that block so every, so every year I've made Thompson Vineyard. Um, and then around 2000. Uh, a guy named Rio Ricewig had planted in 97 and he was a, uh, he owned Colson Canyon vineyard. And in 2000, that block that came online and he was like, he knew I was a young and upcoming winemaker for straw And he's like, Hey, do you want to get some grapes? And I was like, of course, you know? So um, again, kind of fast forward 15, 16 years later, my wife and I purchased Colson Canyon on January 1st of
0: 2016. So how, an incredible feeling that must be, right? Yeah. Because actually, realistically, you made that vineyard famous because Colson Canyon all, goes on to score 99 points and uh, just in, in, incredible. Uh, it so, became the yeah.
1: what we were known for as a brand. I mean, we make other vineyards, you know, but mm-hmm. really on the national and international scene, that's the wine that made mm-hmm. us who we kind of or the respect that we've garnered throughout time. So it was really a no brainer when the vineyard came up for sale, Rio called me and it was like, are you kidding me? Like (laughs) my wife's pension? Like you fucking kidding me. This is awesome. (laughs) right? Yeah. yeah, So we, we bought it and, uh, and you know, I, it's something in in America that doesn't happen as much as in Europe, but it's, you know, like site location, site location, people just buy their grapes for us. It's really about locking down the future. Right. Was purchasing that vineyard. Um, and then, Mm -hmm. uh, we also have another two acres at our house, the Tinsley Vineyard, as well.
0: But again, going back to what Colson Canyon, what, what makes it so special? It's elevation, it's, it's rugged yeah. terrain. So, it's- so,
1: what's great about Colson Canyon is it's the whole property is 115 acres. Mm-hmm. It's planted uh, 16 and a half acres. It's got uh, 12, well, three acres of Grenache and the rest of it's Syrah, And the elevation is at 1,400. So, we're talking about you know the valleys coming from the ocean. This is In Santa Maria, but in the hills at 1,400 feet, so you're above the fog line. So what makes this so interesting is every morning we get fog, or we don't get the fog, really, so we get the sun immediately, first thing in the morning. So we get the sun all day, but also what happens with the fog is the fog keeps the night temperatures a little bit warmer. So up there, we get extreme, extreme temperatures. Mm -hmm. So it's typical to be 45 degrees and ninety five degrees on the same wow. day up there
0: again. So again, that diurnal switch swing yeah. in temperature mm-hmm. is what makes this such a special vineyard site. And what's the soil like here?
1: Uh, it's got a lot of clay, some limestone, but what it has more than any other site that I know of in Santa Barbara is it's really high in iron, hmm. uh, really red soils, kind of like you see up like on Diamond Mountain, things like right. that. Um, so it's a very different. Uh, location if you were to just get dropped there from a I don't think you would know you were in Santa Barbara it's a pretty extreme vineyard mm-hmm. so back to the size of it it's 100 uh 115 with 16 and we only have about 3 to 4 more plantable the rest of it's all canyon
0: right
1: like it's really just unusable canyon that's how extreme the location is
0: so that's what makes the wine so yeah so really it is a very special site and that's why people listening vineyard matters it's you know, Tensley I mean Joey makes other great wines, but Tensley Coulson Canyon uh is special. So wine spectator was in uh yesterday uh in our office and we sat down and uh tasted through some of the older vintages, which are we had two thousand four, six, seven, nine, uh seventeen, eighteen. Um speaking of which I have a little bit of the eighteen in the glass uh, with Joe, so we're gonna try the two thousand eighteen. And Joe's ecstatic about this uh, particular vintage. And uh, why don't you taste and tell me why?
1: Um, Well, 2018 to me is really, of the years I've been making wine to me, it's probably my favorite vintage. Uh, Back before was probably 07. Uh, The thing that's interesting about 18 is, you know, we went through these drought years in 13, 14, 15. 16, we kind of got out of it. 17, we're pretty much out of it. 18, we got a a great amount of rain Hmm. at the right time of the year. But it was just back to like going back into the, you know, around 06, 07, when the years were cool again. So it was like we weren't picking grapes in August. We were picking grapes in late October, Hmm. which should be typical, you know. So the 18 to me uh, from Colson Canyon is for me, I, I don't know, I don't want to toot my own horn, but it's as good as it can get, I think. Yeah. You know, We nailed it, picked the right day. Everything we did throughout the season just came in perfectly. You know, I mean, I'm mean, i not the smartest guy in the block, but we,
0: we <laughs> fucking knocked it <laughs> out of the park that year. <laughs> yes. um, well, I have to tell you, I tasted it yesterday, and I have some in the glass today. And what we were talking about, we couldn't believe the, how light it is on its feet for Syrah, which usually can have a lot of density to it, um, how savory it is. Uh, all the things that I love about Syrah, you have the kind of black olive, you have pepper, you have a minerality that's there. That's, that just And it just dances across your palate. Um, I know you're super excited because Spectator's talking to you and tasting it now. And the color, I mean,
1: yeah, what's funny color, about the wine right. is you look at the color and you think it's going to be, oh my God, it's going to be super sweet, it's going to be super powerful, but it's totally light on its feet. Yeah. It's got great acidity. It, it almost hits every part of what, a true wine should be because right. there's going to be people that like they want the acid there's going to be people that want the texture and the color but usually those people aren't the same people mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. either either or and this wine kind of to me kind of hits all those categories
0: okay. so this is what I talked about earlier though if you if oh, so many people who don't know enough about wine who always think oh I'm gonna, I want a big powerful red or I want a powerful red or something with a lot of fruit they're spending so much money for cab when they could spend a third of that and have something that was just absolutely mind blowing um
1: yeah, I agree. I mean, it was interesting, you know. Back in '08, when the big market crash hit, Right. Uh, our brand didn't fall off, you know, because people were instead of spending two or three hundred dollars on Napa Cab, they were coming to people like us and be like, "Look, it's just ninety-five points. They can tell their buddy, like, check right. it out." Yeah, and they were like, "Wow, this is a huge value," right. you know. So our brand is we, I like to think that we are over delivering. For for the cost,
0: yeah, you've always you've you've always had that, and it, and it shows uh, in the glass. I think what's what's great is you've stuck to your guns twenty plus years. You're still just really the the king of Syrah, and um, and even during the, like I remember 15, 18 years ago, there was a running joke about Syrah. You know, what's the difference between Syrah and gonorrhea? Well, you can get rid of gonorrhea. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're stuck with your Syrah, and that's that's now not the case anymore. Um, People like yourself, brilliant winemakers, have put Syrah on the map. Uh, you're still a, f- a small family operation. You're hands on. Uh, Joey's hands look like old vines. This is a man who works for a living. and um, Yeah,
1: Syrah yeah. is really picking up. European Syrah is really picking up in the metropolitan markets, yeah. such as New York. Right. You know, If you ask any psalm now, like what's Cote Roti is high up on their list. Yeah. you know, None of them really say American Syrah. Right. You know, very few. Yeah. Um so that's our next thing as a, as a varietal and as a group of lovers of the varietal hmm. that we need to establish on the national market. Yeah,
0: for, for uh, uh, absolutely sure. You know what the irony is? Of course, you're in Santa Barbara, and that movie Sideways comes out, and everyone flips their Pinot, and you cannot keep Pinot in stock, right? Yeah. I mean, at, there's been so much overplanting of the Pinot that, quite frankly, a lot of it's watered down just bullshit. Uh, that trend has went away, but imagine if that was Syrah. Oh, I, it feels like yeah, it's been it's been crazy, li- life changing. Yeah. Um. So speaking of life changing, what's the first score you got? Like, what happened? Get walk me to the day like you opened up and you got like ninety nine points, or you were named best you know winemaker. Like, what's that? What's that like? What's the first one that you'll never ever ever forget?
1: Uh, the ninety or the two thousand twos were the first year that Parker, I think. Tasted the wines and scored them all ninety-four, ninety five, ninety six in that mm. area. Um, but then the ninety nine pointer from Parker was right. was really huge.
0: And what vintage was that? Um, that was uh
1: that was the oh yeah. eight. Um, but honestly, I mean the wine spectator has the they have the biggest readership, I think, mm. probably. Right. So getting the ninety five points from wine spectator and making the top one hundred is top you know, one hundred
0: wines in the world is it a pretty amazing. Yeah, uh,
1: you know, to me that's kinda like winning a Grammy. Yeah, you know, if you can make the top ten, I think you've kind of won a Grammy in the in the wine sure. business. People get not we've been nominated a bunch of times, kind of right. thing. Um, so it's awesome. You know, it's great. I mean, I'll I be honest, did your I head did. explode? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a proud moment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it brings a tear to your eye. Like, yeah. I'm you know doing doing something right, right? You know that kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's exciting, and it no doubt changed your life, right? I mean, people are like now you're people, everyone is calling you, wanting the wine, restaurants, distributors, everyone, right? It's just like yeah. I mean, People actually want my autograph sometimes. It's crazy. <laughs> well, <laughs> really? you you do have uh, what, what's the, what's the sneakers? You have Vans. You that's have like, Tensley, you Vans Tensley Vans sneakers. You got that's your own right. brand, man. You think, <laughs> I think you, you beat Gary V to uh, the first sneaker brand. There you go. You the, um, so so yeah, it's
1: exciting. I mean, yeah. I it, it's not what we do it. I mean, we do it because we love the wines, and that's kind of you know. My wife has made a comment to me numerous times. It's that I think you'll be interested in, she's all, there are f- very few people in the world that actually do what they're meant to do. And you're, to me, she says you're one of those people that actually, what you were born and to do, you have found your place.
0: I I, t- I have to agree with her, because the from the second I met you, all you talked about was Northern Rhone. I didn't know who the hell you were. And I was just like, t- like I said, blown away by this kind of knowledge. I was like, who the hell is this guy?
1: And that's to me like the hugest yeah. compliment. Like, I, I'm like... I always, you know, I always make the joke. If I don't have, you know, wine or soccer to talk about, like I don't really have anything to fucking talk about. <laughs> I'm not that interesting at all. <laughs> uh,
0: I have to tell you, Joey's incredibly gracious. Uh, you should go to his tasting room in Santa Barbara if you can. If you're lucky, you'll be able to taste through some of these wines. But um, I know when I've come, you're uh, you have pulled out stops because you're not just. Uh, lots of uh, winemakers just drink their own wine or drink from their own area. Joey's cellar is extensive, and it's. Uh, French, a uh, lot of Rhone, Burgundy. Um, yeah, I yeah.
1: consult for projects in Spain. Oh, and right, I've worked yeah. in Argentina and Chile, and I've done stuff in France with Sicilian uh, people. Right, and I do those because uh, it's truly my interest. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I would, I, I feel like an alcoholic if I'm drinking Tinsley every day. Like I'm just yeah. drinking a drink. Yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. nothing. There's no pleasure in that for me. Right. You know, I'd much rather drink a twelve dollar de Rhone or something from Spain and try it just for fun mm-hmm. you know just every night to open something different and discuss with my wife like what do you think sometimes they're good sometimes they're not but it's it's an education right. every day if i i've gone to restaurants with people that work in the wine business they buy three bottles of their own wine i'm like are you fucking kidding no, me I, I
0: just like know I, I, I feel like
1: an alcoholic. <laughs>
0: No, like, yeah. can I get another yeah. glass? No, I know. <laughs> Just fill me I, up. <laughs> I know. It's, it's one of those, like, uh, yeah, I bring a lot of people to wines, in and sometimes they'll go to dinner. You don't do it. You always order, like, Rhone or Burgundy. And I've actually been with winemakers, and they'll be at a restaurant. They'll order their own wine, and I look at them and go, wait a second. Aren't you tired of drinking your own shit? I mean, I, I, I represent your wines. I'm tired of drinking your shit. Like, can we just expand our palates and our what universe and drink What I like, what I like to do different? is,
1: I like to buy a bottle of Colson, let's say, from a restaurant. Pour a taste for everybody at the table and then give it to the staff.
0: That's yeah, I've seen you do that. You know. You order you order your wine and you're like, here, I want you guys to drink this after your yeah. after your shift, after your hard work. And then the light the eyes light up. It's such a generous uh, Well, it's, it's gift. twofold.
1: One, and I really want them to experience the, the wine. And two, they're the ones that are selling it. Yeah. You know, the people on the floor are the most unappreciated people in the restaurant business, you know, a lot of times. Yeah. They so work. they get to take it out. They're gonna be like the next night, they're gonna be like, Someone's been asking what they recommend. Oh, dude! Last night Joey Tinsley is here. Gave us a bottle. It was fucking awesome. You got to buy it. Boom, boom, boom. And it Mm -hmm. trickles down. Yeah. So it's just the appreciation level too
0: of it. You know, in my opinion. Yeah, it's good sharing the love, right? Yeah. Um, So did the 18s just get tasted with spectator? Besides Ben yesterday, they have have not. No,
1: I got to get a hold of them. Um, We're just bottling right now, so. Mm The longer we can wait a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, another thirty or fifty days, it probably be a little. Bit, the wines will take a little time to soften, right? they so get beat up during bottling. But if they want to taste them now for the article that they're writing or whatever, then we'll right. we'll make sure they get them.
0: Yes, yeah, so Joey's going to be a profiled and Spectator, probably October. Uh, I think I'm that's guessing. what Ben was telling yeah. you last uh, night, right? Yeah, the, like that. Uh, uh, pretty uh, writers talking about the arc of his amazing uh, uh, wine career, and, and we'll, you also have a uh, you also have a uh, entry level wines the fundamental red that are joe Tensley, uh um white and you do a little bit of syrah you do some cab and some blends and these wines are a steal uh i, I don't know retail where are they 16 yeah. 17
1: so this is my again by consulting in other areas around the world and traveling just for fun whenever I mean, all my travel is it's quote-unquote vacation but it always has wine sure in, in it yeah. somehow um and just again my wife and i just traveling to south of france wherever it is and having lunch and going like, oh my god look at this wine for this price mm-hmm. like how do these guys in europe or in south they do it value 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 yeah and american wines aren't really there's not a correlation between value and american wines usually mm-hmm. so this is my rendition of american california central coast under 20 dollars yeah you know and We taste all the wines. They're not bulk wines. You know, we're buying stuff and we're we're doing this in the the correct fashion. We're using Central Coast and everything because as we grow, we're probably going to move into Paso for some Cabernet things like that. But we have four wines: we have a Rhone white, a Rhone red, a Chardonnay, and Cabernet.
0: And those are the fundamental wines.
1: Yeah, so it's called Fundamental Wines and Fundamental Wines by Joey Tinsley. Right.
0: So uh, that's how proud Joey is. He's doing a, a. He's putting his name on the bottles, and I've t- tasted through all those wines, and they're a steal. It's kind of like in, in when you're in Europe, and you have you go to somebody's house, everyone drinks wine, and no nobody drinks out. You know, puts the expensive bottles of wine on the table when they're just having their simple meal. They drink Cote de They drink a simple Rioja, and this is exactly what you're talking about. It's just like this is your table wine. This, this is, our, is your like yeah our yeah. Tuesday
1: night, you right. know. A lot of people with our Tinsley brand come in our tasting room and say, Oh, I have, I put the Tinsley in this, this part of the cellar. So my wife or whatever, my, my, they know not to drink it. So this is not that wine. Right. This is the wine that, you know what, put it on the counter. And if they open four bottles and you're
0: gone, who cares? Mm. You know. And, and here's my tip to people also if you have a cellar and you're put, putting stuff in the corner that you're saving for that special day, don't. Just fucking open it. If you have good friends who come over, that's when you enjoy the wine. You need to share. It's an experience. I've been in people's cells like, oh, I'm saving this for what? I'm like, saving it? I'm at your house. Let's crack it open. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm going to love this wine. This is the people you need to be drinking your wines with. So don't store yours. I mean, if you want to age it, I got it. But if you have great bottles, you're sitting waiting for that day, I'm telling you now, don't. That day may never come.
1: Oh, uh, the other side of that coin is we yeah. do do two small lots in Magnums only, which you've tasted the OGT yes, and you. the BMT. Yep. Right. And, uh, those one is named OGT after my son, Oliver Gunner, and the other one's, uh, Bailey Michelle, my niece. And we bottle those only in Magnums because again, Jennifer and I at home, it's not a problem to go through a bottle of wine right. and maybe open a second bottle. It happens a lot, but we never, like on a Tuesday, like, fuck it. Let's open a Magnum. <laughs> <You> know,
0: like, <laughs>
1: yeah. We never do that. Uh, even though we could. Yeah. Um, so we we have a lot of people in our wine club and followers of Tinsley and stuff that, that drink those wines on every Christmas. Mm-hmm. They have a bottle of BMT or OGT every Thanksgiving, and they come in our taste room, and they're like, people have been saying for for years, like, oh, now kids that are that were 16, 17, they first got to taste it, now they're 10 years old later. Like, I've had OGT in my house
0: every Christmas right. since I can remember. I was in uh, Wellfleet and had a, a Tinsley hat on uh, baseball hat and people were yelling at me we love Tensley I never told you that because you know I was like fuck it <laughs> but it's so true and Harry's like dad check it out they know Joe my son hangs out with uh, Joey's son Oliver as well we're kind of tight and it's uh, it was it was a very uh, um, a f- a funny moment but and you've been kind enough to uh, the executive producer Ross Minichella from the show uh, loves the wine uh, he had a he won some uh, he, he bid an auction to have a chef come cook at his house and I brought a, a Magnum of uh, Colson Canyon. And uh, man, you watch wine disappear, that's how you know. That's how you know wine is a great wine. Um, many times I've been like, traveling in Italy or whatever, you go to these big tastings, and you put a bunch of wines on the table, and the ones with nothing left of them, those are the wines that everyone loves. I don't care, you can take the points out, take the dollar amount out, um, and that's what happens to your wine. I've seen it at my house, or I bring wine, and that's the first one that gets drained. Oh, it's, a, yeah, it's it's just, true. I mean, if I a
1: b- yeah. have a party in my house and there's 25 wines open, whatever it is, next morning you're like,
0: hmm, I guess no one liked that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Still half the bottle. Left. And it, and I know, it's because I've been at your house and you opened up some crazy bottles and you're like, that's a $150 bottle of wine. I only drank half of it. I wonder yeah. why that is. But that says everything yeah. about a wine, right? Totally. Nobody's sitting there reading wine notes and telling you how much you paid for it. Like, if it doesn't, people no. don't drink it. I guess we shouldn't close without getting from you a few classic pairings. What do you love to eat with Tensley Syrah?
1: Um, That's a tough question. Mm. I mean, uh, but classics, you know, bigger. It's a big red wine, yeah. you know. And honestly, I don't like to get into those and kind of tell people how to drink it or whatever. It's just really meant to be enjoyed. So I I drink Syrah. I think Syrah is very versatile as well with that said. Yeah. You know, it can go with uh, spicier foods, go with heavier foods. Even the lighter Syrahs, like our Santa Barbara County, can go with like nice grilled fish, yeah. things like yeah. that. Cause it's not a hit. Syrah is very adaptive to location, too. So mm-hmm. some Syrahs, like let's just say Australian, mm-hmm. are a very different profile of Syrah sure. than what you're going to get out of Cote Roti. So to say that those things are going to go with the same foods? That's true. Probably not. Yeah, no. no.
0: syrah's get a lot more uh, intensity and usually power, particularly yeah. if they're from Barossa. They're like incredibly... Yeah, they can, uh, which
1: like, is fair enough yeah. i like the style yeah. of wine as well yeah you know i um I, I think syrah is a very adaptive writer you know well you know we do make five different single vineyards mm-hmm. and they we price them all the things so i think they're all equal quality they're just very different yeah you know like thompson vineyards way more perfumey and and fresh and pretty colson's a little heavier right. uh tinsley's got like more of a savory cornos yeah. you know and then you got turner that's more of like a really extreme, savory, no fruit, right. just straight pepper. Yeah. I you know, and it's one. the same exact grape, mm-hmm. almost really the same clones. And they're all just completely different from soil. Right. And location.
0: Uh, I love the Shiraz with just anything that's coming off the grill. Yeah. That kind of smokiness just always matches. And last night we were at uh, Alimentari and they, all their cured meats, I thought, went fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, tonight I'm having dinner at Blue Ribbon Sullivan and I'm going to have with fried chicken.
0: Fried chicken and Syrah. Yeah, yeah. man. I could yeah. see that totally. Yeah. Um, well, you got a lot of great stuff coming up. Uh, 18, I think, is going to get a ridiculous review. People should look for uh, Tensley, uh, his single vineyard stuff that's uh, widely available in some of the best restaurants, and certainly around the country. And, and you can wine search it and look, at, look it around and get your best price. Um, and um, your new reviews, the story coming out. Uh, in spectator uh, profiling you should be very cool
1: yeah we'll be back in new york for the wine spectator grand awards event or grand tasting in october as well okay so So if we have got people in new york we'll be back for that and maybe we'll set up something with you guys to do a little tasting or something like that as well
0: that'd be great uh i want to thank a good friend of mine i've known for 20 plus years now joe tensley for coming on drinking on the job podcast Uh, I hope you people have been lightened about Syrah because I'm really hunted out. You're going to be hunted down. You're going to be very, very happy. And I have
1: to say for my son, go Galaxy.
0: (laughs) Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar.